Mama's Christian Podcast. <laughs> that's one of your worst. Welcome! Because the singing ability was just so bad. <laughs> Welcome to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast, a Christian podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. Seriously, this time don't do I'm it. your host, <sighs> Shane. Hey, Topper, say, do up, welcome. Do up, welcome. <laughs> oh, I thought Shane's was bad. That was uh, worse. Well, I didn't know he was going to do that. Yeah, I know. I threw it on him in the in the in, at the last moment there. Hey, intern. Um, I definitely have to clarify I'm not the intern today because we have um, a good friend of mine from grade school, and that means we could have other friends of mine from grade school never listen, and they're going to think, man, Eric's an intern to his younger brother and his younger friend. Hey, I am not an intern. I am a host if as equal, if not more important well, you're than doing, you two. You're, making, you're doing the right steps. Yeah. yeah just keep, <laughs> keep working hard. <laughs> you're getting there. Um, so, Topper, who do we have on the podcast today? We have your friend uh, Martin Camper. Who is now uh, our friend. Well, he's our I've known him for a while, friend. too. But yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, our friend. Yeah, so the reason why um, I texted him um, to ask if he was on the podcast, and um, he was very willing to, and I'm and I'm glad he was, because um, he is someone who identifies as a Christian, but also identifies as gay. So I thought that was an interesting and really great topic to talk about. Um, and he, um, you'll you'll hear it, but uh, he he's one of the smartest people I've ever met. Absolutely, and um, very he was very vulnerable. Um, and honest and open with us, mm-hmm. and just I don't know. It was I. Uh, we we just finished recording it, and I was just pretty incredible how mm-hmm. how how great it was. But um, but before we even get to it, we wanted to talk about what our goal was in this podcast. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Shane, why don't you tell them what our goal was not with yeah. Martin? So it, this is obviously such a um, a touchy subject for. Um, for everybody, really, and um, especially in the church community, and Eric and I, as pastors and toppers, who's worked in uh, ministry for a number of years as well, um, this is something that's difficult to talk about. Talk about our goal in this interview with Martin is not to talk about whether or not homosexuality is a sin or is not a sin. That is not what we're talking about. Um, uh, that's not um, the the idea behind. Um, this and why and why do we decide that, that wasn't the most beneficial use of our our podcast of to- of Martin and our and our time? Um, there's no way that was great. <laughs> <That's grammar>. oh, <laughs> what are you, what are you even saying right now? <laughs> best use of Martin. Oh, oh, and- <laughs> oh, Shane trying to follow along. I don't, I don't even know what you asked. <laughs> what? I was trying to say, like, I was gonna say Martin and I's time, but that isn't Martin and R's time. And there's no way that's right. It wasn't scripted. <laughs> it wasn't, and it's not. Well, that arg- the the argument. Um, possibility was just we decided was just not beneficial yeah and and we talk about this um uh in the interview as well is that um uh especially as pastors and and this is my belief on this topic is that um for for us to take a stance one way or the other um and some people may say that this is um you know the coward's way out i don't know i don't feel this way but i honestly believe that the best way to talk about homosexuality um, is in a one-on-one conversation or in a small group uh, that is a safe environment because um, to come out and say one way or the other um, really is a lose-lose, especially for a pastor. 
Um, and uh, no matter what you say, you you will upset people. And now I'm not scared of upsetting people, but I think that the most beneficial way to talk about this topic is in a conversation where both sides can interact. Yeah. Uh, because if I if we talk about this, you know, at this point, obviously we have no idea what the listener is thinking. And same thing in a sermon. Um, uh, the pastor has no idea what you are thinking in your seat unless you come up and tell us later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I honestly believe that the most beneficial way to talk about this topic is... By the topic of whether it's a sin or not. Correct. And so, uh, but also with this interview with Martin, our goal is to give everybody um, an idea of what it is like to be in his shoes. Uh, and Because I had no idea. I, I don't know what it's like to be a gay person and especially and, and then also in his, to be a gay Christian. Yeah. Uh, what is that and like? He even talks about this, but a gay African-American Christian because yeah. I didn't even think about that, but he talks about that yeah. a lot. So And so he gives us that insight and, and I think that it's really helpful and a really positive conversation. And um, uh, so we just wanted to hear from him because I think that a lot of times what Christians do that is messed up, and Martin also talks about this, is um, uh, that we don't even take time to just hear from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that, that was our goal. We just want to hear what he had to say. Yep, so this is going to be a two-parter because um, we talked for a while with him. Um, so uh, we don't want to delay too much with, with all this stuff. So um, I was going to get to one more thing, and then we'll get right to Martin's Martin's episode. So um, uh, last week we launched our – or last week or two weeks. I'm not sure when this is coming out. But um, we we talked to you guys about our new Patreon page, and we launched that, and we posted on all, on all our social medias and all that stuff. Um, and we just want to continue to encourage um, – Everybody, if they are interested or willing to, to check out our Patreon page, the best what what the Patreon page does, and becoming an NYMer is what we're calling it, um, is when you contribute uh, some money to us financially, uh, whether it's as little as a dollar a month or as much as you want. Um, first thing is you can cancel it anytime, um, but it's just a way to help us do our podcast. We don't. We, we'll, we're going to do it no matter who contributes, but this is just a way for us to help us and to help grow the podcast. Um, but what I'm really excited about is not just the financial part and being able to grow because of that. Um, I'm excited about uh, the group and the community that it's going to build. Because when you join um, and, and you contribute and you go to our Patreon page and become a patron, um, you become an NYMer, which means you get invited into our closed Facebook group where you can have interactions with us. We're going to talk to people about um, some podcasts that are coming up, some authors we have coming up. So like you can read this book before they come on. Uh, We're going to post some things that we think are funny and just some different topics. And this is a safe environment Mm -hmm. where not everybody that you don't want to see or, or whatever is going to comment and have arguments or whatever. It's a safe environment where people that are kind of thinking the same as you or want to grow can actually debate and talk. Um, So I'm excited to see where this is going to go. And I think it's going to, um, if you do contribute, it, you will enjoy the podcast a little more and the experience of it. Um, so again, we want to encourage you guys that if you're interested uh, in becoming an NYMer um, to check out our Patreon page, it's on the show notes as well. But if you, we, we don't want to like, we always feel weird talking about money. Um, so don't, don't feel obligated mm-hmm. to give like we always say at church. Um, but you will be sinning if you don't. So, <laughs> so if you can, oh, boy. <laughs> that's I got to throw the pastor stuff at it. But but episodes like this are why I feel like why I'm really proud of this podcast. Because mm-hmm. um, 
th- these kind of episodes I'm really proud of, and we we want more people to hear it, and we want to grow. And the best, the only way we're going to be able to do that is through stuff like this and and your guys help so if you can we we would love you even more and you get incentives for that so and you guys have got anything else before we get to the episode i don't think so no no all right because i know people don't care about us right now they want to hear from you so so let's without further ado let's get to our interview with martin camper all right guys well we are joined by my good friend that i've known since first grade Wow, first grade, third grade, I think, right? Why did you go? To, you went to St. Tim's in first grade, right? Mm-mm. Oh, Eric, I'm a liar. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, this so interview's off to a well. great start. So Let's much start over. Let's start. Well, this is my my good friend from third grade, Mr. Martin Camper. Hey, Martin Camper, everybody, thanks for what's coming up, on Martin? With us, Martin. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm sorry that I said first grade i, oh, I don't care I mean, a long time ago where'd you go in first second grade um i went to west unseld school which is in baltimore city okay. west unseld yeah Is that he's a basketball player right yeah with? coach or yeah, something. yeah yeah he played for the Wizards. bullets and Bullet, yeah, yeah. yeah back oh, when they were the bullets yeah. and stuff so he started a school oh yeah. wow that's uh-huh. pretty cool and martin was there for only first and second grade wow yeah. and then mm-hmm. and then you left went to good old saint timothy's yeah and we martin and i went to school together Basically from third until the end of high school. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I left um, St. Tim's in fifth grade, like right when we're about to graduate elementary school. Then I went back in sixth grade and seventh grade, then left again when we're about to graduate middle school. <laughs> and then we both went to Chapelgate where Shane also went um, in ninth grade. Yeah, and starting in ninth grade, we did not have any classes together because <laughs> he was way smarter than me. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, <laughs> They, I don't know if that's true. Our that is for sure out, true. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't take I didn't take any AP classes. How many AP classes did you take in high school? A lot. <laughs> I can't even count yeah. them. Uh-huh. You can say all. Yeah. I don't even know what an AP class is. <laughs> <laughs> Shane never took. What was the science you never took? I never took chemistry. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> so surprised. Really. Yeah, I didn't take chemistry because I failed geometry. Uh-huh. And then they wouldn't let me take <laughs> chemistry until I had passed geometry and I had to take algebra 2. I never took algebra 2 or chemistry. And you graduated. I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Oh, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I don't know how I slipped through the cracks. Yeah, you definitely slipped through the cracks. <laughs> but they were probably just like, ah, whatever. Yeah. We'll just let him. Yeah. He's a nice kid. But Martin, uh, what do you do now? Right now, I am a professor at Loyola University, Maryland, Baltimore. Um, I'm in their writing department, which is separate from English and communications, and I teach argument, rhetoric, persuasion, those type of courses. So when when we do stupid arguments, which we're going to do, oh. he's going to kill us. Oh. He's Maybe. <laughs> Although my pop culture knowledge is, is thin. So, so. Do, you, do you have like, do you, do you do like debates and those sort of things? Yeah, actually in the fall, um, I put together with some students a debate uh, oh, really? it's kind of a public election related debate we talked about uh race and free speech and gun control wow yeah. wow wow so uh, that's cool. pretty interesting yeah i would like to see that and uh his last name is camper yeah so <laughs> i have a quick story to share my dad uh, who we talk about on this podcast a lot uh rusty this is a rusty cares moment um because he often does not <laughs> he, he uh as, when we were kids he used to call us campers he would say, mm-hmm. come on, campers, let's go. And I hated it. And so one time we had a family meeting, and my dad and my mom sat us down, and they said, look, 
anything that you guys want to say, it, you will not get in trouble for. You can bring up any complaints. That's, that's a setup if you've never heard it. It was a setup. And they said, you will not get in trouble. We want you to be able to voice your opinion. And I said, okay, I got one. <laughs> I said, Dad, I don't like it when you call us campers. <laughs> and he laughed. <laughs> and then continued to call me camper even more because – and I was like, Dad, what happened to immunity? <laughs> you said that I could say whatever I want. And I was like, I don't like it when you call us camper. So he would love you, Martin, because you are a camper. You are. But, uh, and, you was... hate, and you hate his last name. I hate it. Our dad still calls us campers yeah. too. But anyways, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But um, Martin, what, could you just give us your – your testimony and how um, your faith developed and how you met Jesus and all that stuff. So I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I have several ministers in my extended family. My grandfather on my dad's side was a minister in AME Church. So I grew up AME, African Methodist Episcopalian, and that's uh, my family's church. It was Union Bethel in Randallstown. That's where we went um, from the time that I was about four or five until um, high school. And so, you know, I grew up in a family of faith. And then, of course, as Eric said earlier, I did the Christian school thing from third until 12th grade. Yup. St. Tibbs. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say that um, things kind of made sense to me or became personal to me at an early age. I would say at about eighth grade, I'm not eighth grade, I'm sorry, but when I was eight in third grade, is I, I don't know why, but um, I don't know. Faith just became something that I wanted to pursue on my own, which is you know pretty young. I yeah, probably don't yeah, know very much about what was going on, but I definitely I can look back to my elementary and middle school years, and mm -hmm. I can yeah. see my faith develop. But I think it was it wasn't superficial or shallow, but it was still a pretty young faith. Mm -hmm. And so in ninth grade, you know, when we started at Chapelgate, is where I think um, it became kind of more deeply rooted, mm -hmm. where I kind of decided to pursue it more actively, more intentionally. And so that's, you know, kind of been where I've, you know, I guess that's kind of where things started for yeah. me in my kind of teenage and adult life. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and whenever you become, I know from my story, when I got into high school, I started to like, questions of things and those questions led me to my own answers yeah which then led from a faith that i had as as a, a kid just like just like you I, I i grew up in a christian home and i remember going to camps in fourth and fifth grade and and going doing altar calls from that faith that was still my parents faith then transferring it to my own authentic faith through some questions and struggles and doubts and finding my own answers actually finding my own way so so yeah, so I I definitely recognize your story because I remember when I was a kid I was the same thing I I became a Christian when I was really young but then I like had my own way when I was in high school mm -hmm. um, yeah and so when Martin met me he was like man they're God's real because I met a great friend <laughs> third grade <laughs> yeah yeah the common denominator in your faith is Eric in your life yeah. right that's right because you were there third grade and then you were gone in eighth grade and then you yeah. came back yeah so well with you so you're you're welcome by the way <laughs> so with you being a a Christian for so long from from third grade and, and on and then um and now you being um, would, would say that you you're you're a gay person, right? Um, right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, when did 
those feelings and those thoughts start to happen for you, um, at what age did you feel like maybe this was where you identified as a person or, um, or any of those sort of thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would say, and I think my story is not unique, but looking back, I can kind of see um, that those feelings were true from a young age. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think little kids have crushes, right, yeah. on other mm -hmm. classmates, on their teachers, and I definitely, looking back, had those kinds of feelings, but yeah. I, um, I didn't have any language or framework for them, right? right? Like, right. I didn't know, you know, I also had, or thought I had crushes on girls, too, mm -hmm. right? Because that was what was expected, right? right. That's what you know, everyone around me was doing, and I didn't know what those other feelings were. I didn't really have a category for them. Mm -hmm. um, so it really wasn't until, well, let me back up. But I will say that I did learn about, um, you know, in very kind of small bits about gay people, I guess, from a, uh, a particular Christian perspective. Yeah. Um, I definitely, you know, especially I would say in middle school, kind of became aware, I guess it's when, some of the culture wars around this issue yeah. kind of really mm -hmm. bubbled up. Um, aware that there was such thing as a gay liberation movement mm -hmm. um, and that as Christians, you know, I learned that we were supposed to uh, oppose that, um, that gay people were godless, uh, many of them were pedophiles, yep. and uh, that they were promiscuous, and that they were going to ruin the country. And they had AIDS. And, and they had AIDS. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. And um, most of the time a result of like um, something happened to them when they were a kid or divorce or all those kind of things too, right? Yeah, exactly right. The stereotypes yeah. about, you know, uh, boys become gay because they have distant fathers or yes. something like yeah. that. Um, you know, I so I heard these things. Um, I, uh, I guess, uh, absorbed a lot of those stereotypes and absorbed a lot of... This is middle stigma. school, right? Yeah, I would yeah. say... Probably middle school, maybe a little earlier, but middle school is definitely when I remember um, conversations, mm -hmm. you know, things coming up in class, mm -hmm. even things at home. Um, now, our church, uh, like a lot of other traditional black churches, you know, homosexuality was really kind of seen, it's going to sound weird, as a white problem. And yeah. so it wasn't something that our pa I can never actually remember our pastor preaching on it until I went back in about 2009, I went back to church I was visiting, and there was, there was a uh, sermon on homosexuality. I was like, wow, I've never, it was negative. I'd never heard, <laughs> I, I'd never, I'd never heard my pastor. It was the same pastor I grew up with. I'd never heard him talk about it before. Yeah. And so, you know, there was that kind of, um, that cultural aspect too. Yeah. Um, but I do remember, um, you know, hearing about the news of certain denominations splitting at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I heard about uh, you know, kind of God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Yeah, I yes. heard those <laughs> jokes. So yeah. yeah, I was. I would say, you know, probably middle school is when I kind of became aware. I never thought about the not only being African American, but but like having both of those things. Mm. I never thought about it as a white yeah. white problem, or or like mm -hmm. like you said, like I never even thought anything like that. Yeah, before. that is interesting. Yeah. So then with you having um, these feelings and discovering these things, um, at, at what age did you officially come out and what was that like for you? Um, uh, how did your family and friends react or the people closest to you react to that? So I would say, so kind of, I guess it's well, maybe two or three parts. So the first part is mm -hmm. I realized I was gay in the ninth grade, um, which is, which makes sense, right? I mean, 
many of us are going through puberty, right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, it dawned on, you know, it dawned on me that, hey, all of my, you know, other guy friends are into girls and, like, find them attractive, and I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then realizing, wait, I find other men attractive. And real and and kind of i think my first response was a kind of denial and a kind of trying to okay that's an anomaly it's just a phase you know i'm just a late bloomer or whatever and i'll i'll grow out of it and you know i tried to date uh, one of the girls in our grade actually Ooh. you can tell me should that, i say her no. name <laughs> <laughs> but i want to find out <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> well, it didn't work out. <laughs> uh, she, I, I told her I was gay, actually, and so she knew. Um, and so she had a lot of, for good reasons, hesitations about being my girlfriend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, so, so you told her that you were gay first and then tried to date her? You know, it was... So we became close friends, I would say... Uh, end of ninth grade, 10th grade, 10th grade is really when we became close friends. And uh, so first we became friends and then I thought I liked her. Okay. And I think I did. I think yeah, we yeah. did have a lot in common. Um, and so I brought up, you know, uh, dating at some point and she wasn't sure. And then I, you know, told her she was the first person I ever came out to actually. Mm-hmm. And I told her I was gay and, you know, I don't think that was at the moment a deal breaker for her, but I, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, Probably the more she thought about it, she was just like, eh, I don't mm-hmm. know if I want to date a gay guy. And, right, were, yeah. and were you at that point trying to like push your way through that almost where like you felt like you were gay, but you felt like maybe you didn't, you couldn't be. And that's why you're trying to date a girl or were, was, is that what you were trying to do then? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I think I was in denial, like I didn't want to be gay, right? Like, mm-hmm. as I said before, I had already kind of absorbed these negative stereotypes. It was like, oh, there's no way that it could be like those people. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, like, I, as I said, I was a Christian. I was trying to pursue God. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't having sex. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. doing any of the things that I had heard. Yeah. And so I just thought, well, I can't be gay. It's just, you know, maybe if I date a girl, it will help. And so I, I was actually pretty adamant. I was trying yeah. to kind of push her to do it. I'm glad she said no. I think it would have been yeah. painful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so in ninth grade is when I realized that I, you know, I had a name for these feelings. Oh gosh, this is homosexuality. But it wasn't until the fall of my junior year that I finally, and so this was after, you know, uh, we tried to date and then, so fall of junior year, she said, no, like, we're just, I, I just can't date you. Mm-hmm. And so that was really the point where I said, huh, and I was kind of faced with reality. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I accepted and kind of started identifying as gay. Okay. okay. When you, when you were a junior. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then from that point on, um, how long did it take you um, to, to come out to the other people closest to you where it became common knowledge to the people who knew you best? Um, so I came out to, after that girl, I came out to four other people mm-hmm. at Chapel Gate, uh, two friends, two guy friends, uh, which is, and that was a whole nother thing and, yeah. uh, two teachers. Yeah. Uh, and so that, and that was it. Uh, I think I, I was really afraid of coming out or being known or being exposed because I didn't know what would happen. I was worried yeah. that I could be expelled from school. Wow. 
Um, yeah, we're at a Christian school, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, with being at a Christian school then, and um, obviously I went there too, so you don't have to say the teachers that, that you spoke with, but what what was their reaction? Um, was it was it a positive reaction for you, or what? were you nervous? I mean, obviously you must have had a really good relationship with them to feel comfortable enough to share that with them. I was definitely nervous mm-hmm. um, because uh, everything that I had, you know, all of what I, I imagined the worst. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's every time I came out to someone, which is why I came out to so few people, yeah. I imagined rejection, yeah. ostracization, um, complete condemnation. Um, thankfully, thank God, you know, all of the people that I told uh, still remained in relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Um, the teachers, you know, they told me they thought it was a sin, but they also said, you know, it's not some kind of special sin or the worst sin. Yeah. You know, God still loves you. Uh, it's not that you're not a Christian, you know, everyone has temptations. And I think even though that's not where I think or believe right now, I think for my 15, 16 year old self, Mm -hmm. you know, who is still trying to wrestle with this more um, kind of traditional Christian uh, viewpoint, and then also my own sexuality, that was exactly what I needed to hear. Yeah, that's good. And that traditional viewpoint probably pushes more of a behavior aspect over grace, right? That like, it's, you need to have the right behavior or if not, then God won't love you. So if, if you thought that being gay was a sin, cause that's what you were taught and now you're feeling gay, then God must not love me until I fix this issue when really it's all about grace. And no matter who you are, no matter what sins you have, we all have them, mm-hmm. but Jesus saved us from it. And, and God loves us because of that. And God loves no matter what we've done or how far we run or any of that stuff. So, um, yeah, you're probably, that was probably a lot of it too, right? Where you're just feeling like unloved by your creator, right? Yeah, I definitely, I mean, so one, I'll say that the five people I came out to in high school, uh, were definitely grace over all yes. else. I mean, they, that's, and that's, you know, what I needed, but. And that's honestly uh, what it should be, no matter what yeah, you believe, right. it should always be that. It should always be grace first, but yeah. I, well, I, com- I completely agree. Yeah. And I think, uh, a lot would change in the church uh, for LGBT people, if that were true, if that oh, yeah, one thing were true, yeah. you know, I think the conversation would be really different mm-hmm. right yep. now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I definitely, uh, uh, when I realized I was gay, I thought, I thought it was cursed. Like that's, you know, actually yeah. it, when you asked me to join you, yeah. I, I kept a journal, I kept a really detailed journal through all throughout high school. So I went back to kind of see, cause yeah. a lot of this I kind of hadn't thought about in a while. And, I, I reading my, the words from my 15, 16, 17 year old self, just the anguish, you know, over having this, you know, uh, what felt like this huge burden, you know, because the way it was talked about, you know, in some of our classes, like I very distinctly remember, you know, one of our teachers, you know, saying that this sin was, you know, the worst sin, which is why God called it abomination because it was so unnatural and it went against God's designs. And a chaplain Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> I, I'm gonna write that a list of names I need. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that so that was kind, and that was also the view I had. You know, I remember I even from kind of the silence in my own you know kind of African American background, it was this huge kind of um, unspeakable taboo, yeah. just terrible thing. It really was treated as a sin uh, above all sins, yeah. and so. Um, I don't think, I don't think I ever questioned my faith, but I did question why did God 
make me gay. I'm like, if this is such a terrible, awful thing, right. yeah. why me? How could yes, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I, that kind of brings up an interesting point too because I wanted to see uh, kind of what your relationship with the church has been. Well, actually, oh, hold on. Yeah. Before before we get to that. Um, what was it like for you? Because I don't think we've gotten to this part yet. Um, oh, yes, for the, coming out, coming out. Yeah, 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 yeah larger. Then, yeah, then we'll get to that. Yeah, sorry, I kind of. No, that's okay. We're asking you questions as we go along, yeah, we're so, going and we don't need to rush. Uh, we're I'm, take your time talking about whatever. Um, yeah. So high school. So in high school, I still believed that homosexuality was a sin, and um, and that was true through most of college. I didn't. I came out to two people in college, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, and I haven't really figured out why, because I went to a secular school. I went to McDaniel College. I'm not really sure why I came out to fewer people in college than I did in high school, except that maybe, um, in a way, it felt, uh, I don't know, even more unsafe or something. I don't know how to, how to put it. Um, uh, perhaps because I did... Well, here's the thing. So because I still had that, those stereotypes in mind... I didn't know I didn't know if I could go to the you know LGBT student group like and be open because I was worried that I would be tempted to sin. Mm. Yeah. Um, now for whatever reason, this is probably a god thing. I had gay openly gay roommates. Uh, uh, well, three my freshman, sophomore, and junior year. Then I had another gay roommate who came out to me wow. in my senior year. Wow. And I don't know. I think to me, and they were all random roommates. Uh. Well, the first roommate I had, we kept rooming with each other. Okay. But then someone else I roomed with in junior year, because we had uh, four of us, came out to me later as gay. Wow. And then my senior year roommate came out to me as gay. And I, I just, I can only imagine that maybe this was, uh, I don't want to put a divine thing on it, but it definitely helped yeah. me kind of realize, wait a second, all of those stereotypes, all of those negative images yeah. weren't true because uh, these people were great. They were my friends, you know, uh, they helped me out when things were really difficult in general, not just, you know, with sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was really helpful in me in kind of breaking down what I had learned about what it meant to be gay. And also I learned that um, straight people were just as, you know, promiscuous or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, was, <laughs> I was like, wait a second. I thought gay people were special. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, That's so how, how, how did coming out to your parents go? If you don't mind, um, because that probably had to be one of the scariest ones. That right? was yeah, coming out to my family was probably the most nerve wracking. So that happened when I was in grad school. That uh, I think that was 2011. I think that that's right. And so at that point, you had known you'd been openly gay for ninth, uh, tenth grade, right? So yeah, like like eight years, right? Yes, that's about uh yeah maybe nine, more nine, than that yeah yeah nine. 10, 10 years, yeah. Yeah, Martin, you know I'm not good at math, buddy. You, <laughs> you may be glad not me. Been, yeah, I guess it had been about 10 years since I identified as gay personally and then another 12 years since I realized I was gay, yeah. Um, so I kept it hidden from them because um, I just knew that... I knew that they didn't approve. Now, I think, you know, they're not necessarily in the same place now as they were when I was growing up, but... Um, I definitely remember in high school, for example, uh, you know, feeling all this pressure to conform. Um, a good story is uh, prom both years. Uh, my my extended family, my junior year, uh, because I knew I was gay. So 
when junior prom came, I knew I was gay. I was like, okay, I'm going to go because all my friends are going, but I don't want to take anyone because yeah. I don't want to take a girl because I don't like girls, but I yep. can't take, you know, a guy because it's a Christian school and that wouldn't work. So I just wanted to go alone. And uh, not just my parents, but my kind of extended family, including my grandparents, they made sure they found a girl for me, not from Chapelgate, <laughs> to go on a date with me. Apparently, she turned out to be lesbian. Oh, later. wow. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it was in that end senior prom uh, where they were extremely tense times because I think my parents knew I was gay, um, but I hadn't come out to them yet. And I think that they were worried about that and they kind of feared that. Yeah. I think it's very difficult you know, for parents, especially in Christian environments, to have yeah. gay children. There's almost yep. no support. They also have this shame, right, mm -hmm. that they have to carry. Um, and so I think, you know, they they didn't want me to be gay. You yeah. Know, yeah. And I think there's also, like, a stigma of the parents did something wrong then, mm -hmm. right? And so so, so the parents, they call, no, I did something wrong. I need to fix this. Yeah. Um where that's not even true and it's and it's not just something you just fix or whatever either um so then you have all that pressure and then that little like here here's a girl to go to prom with is just a subtle way of being like by the way if you are gay this is not okay because you need to go with a girl and you need to do that so i can only imagine the pressure and the guilt that gets even more weighed yeah. down on you already that you already had too yeah and i think as i've well it's different now once i came out to them it they, you know, it's whatever. But yeah. like before I came out, even though I think they suspected, I think, you know, uh, family, uh, family, friends. I mean, I would often get questions about when are you going to start dating? Right. Like, you yeah. know, uh, what about a family? You know, I remember and I just they were so uncomfortable for me because the real answer was, well, I'm gay. So I'm well, at the time I couldn't get married. So, yeah. Uh, I wasn't going to get married and I, you know, couldn't have biological kids, but because I wasn't out, I couldn't say anything. So I would say something, oh, I'm busy with school or work and, yeah. you know, that, that worked for a long time. <laughs> um, but in 2011, uh, I went, you know, it's kind of, uh, I went to the wedding of two friends um, that I knew from grad school who, two women who were getting married, they were both Christian, and it was, I think, yes, it was the first same-sex marriage I went to. Now, uh, the law, you know, the Supreme Court ruling hadn't happened. It was 2011. Mm -hmm. um, so this was kind of mm -hmm. just a ceremony. And I think they went up to Vermont or something to get oh, yeah. legally, legally yeah. married, even though I don't know if it translated to Pennsylvania, which is where they lived. Um, and after that ceremony, I just realized I, I just couldn't, you know, hide this from my family anymore. So I think on you know so the wedding was in pittsburgh and so you know about four hours away so as i was driving back home i called my mom and i said hey mom uh there's i'd like to have a family meeting yeah i called a family meeting and yeah. uh, i don't like the name camper and i i just need to tell you all something and she said okay you know i'll gather the family together when you get home and mm -hmm. we'll talk and so um I, I don't remember where my brother was my brother wasn't there but my dad my mom and my sister were there and um i just said you know i've been feeling this for a long time and you know it's been really difficult to you know keep this under wraps but i'm gay and um you know that started um that started a process mm -hmm. you know it started 
I think everyone had to do a lot of learning or unlearning, right? Um, both, uh, especially for my parents, I think their expectation of what my life would look like, right, um, had to change. I think also uh, because, you know, we didn't go to gay affirming churches when we were growing up and, you know, they still weren't at the time. I think they had to do work to figure out, okay, how do we take this theology, you know, this Christian or particular Christian view on homosexuality and apply it to our relationship with our son. And I would say that, you know, my parents have had two very different responses or reactions. Um, my father is, you know, still will say that it's a sin. And um, he, because he has that belief, and I'm not, you know, I'm actually in a really good spot with my father. You know, this is, it was very painful for several years, but um, I actually... Uh, good, and I'm happy to talk about you know mm -hmm. how how that happened later. But uh, you know he doesn't you know he's not mean he's not antagonistic, but he does not want to have anything to do with that part of my life. Um, yeah. The last time I was dating someone uh, for a while seriously, you know uh, he didn't want to meet them, kind of thing. Um, and so that's kind of where he's at, you know, kind of still in that very traditional view, mm -hmm. uh, you know, perhaps. In a, in a kind of strict way, I think he sees any kind of concession or capitulation in that direction, any type of acceptance as a, um, a you know, kind of accepting sin, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, you know, I think it was a process for her, but I think, you know, but now, actually not, I think I know that she's in a spot where, uh, at least I, I don't, she hasn't used this language, I don't think she believes it's a sin anymore. Um, she has met um, all of my all all two of my serious boyfriends, yeah. uh, and you know she you know when I start dating someone you know if I tell her she wants to know more she asks about him you know mm -hmm. what does he do you know when can I meet him and yeah. so she's been you know very enthusiastic about you know making sure that whoever I'm with is included in our family. I took a boyfriend to a Thanksgiving a few years ago, mm -hmm. which was the first in our family for someone to have um, a same-gendered partner That's got to be pressure, huh? Yeah. It, yeah. You know what? It, and, for, and for your boyfriend it was, being the first one in, for your yeah. family. Well, his, I mean, gosh, his family was even worse than mine. Oh, gosh, he wasn't yes. even out with them. Uh, <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> but they were... Zoe, they were... So really want to do Thanksgiving with you. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I would say that my mom honestly had a lot to do with that because, you know, I told her that I wasn't coming to Thanksgiving unless he came with me, you know, mm -hmm. and she was like, okay, and I think there were a lot of conversations she had with other, because we have a really big family mm -hmm. that's very close, she had a lot of conversations with yeah. people to make sure that that went smoothly, and it did. Good. Um, and then after that point, uh, you know, um, one of my cousins who had a boyfriend for years who had been coming, but they were always just friends. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came out, and then another cousin came out. And so I actually feel pretty good about kind of opening that door or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. So, so now it's okay. Yeah. No, I, I can only imagine. Um, I know a lot of times the church will take a certain stance on homosexuality and everything. So I can only imagine the scrutiny you may have taken. So I kind of wanted to see what your relationship with the church has been like. If you have any stories mm -hmm. of maybe how, yeah, just kind of how that relationship has gone since you've decided to come out. 
Yeah, I definitely <laughs> have stories. Um, huh. Yeah, it hasn't. I have to say that on the whole, it's been negative. Right. Um, and this isn't just this isn't just about a disagreement over interpretations of a, you know of biblical text. I mean, this is you know really an issue of you know before I came out uh, you know in a church setting, the language you know mm -hmm. how kind of the homophobic language yeah. you know that. I think uh, especially gay men are still uh, a punchline for a lot of people in general, but also a lot of Christians. And so they're often, you know, kind of toss away jokes that people make, yeah. right, that actually degrade or denigrate um, gay people. And so that was, you know, that kind of atmosphere without condemnation, like it was very rare uh, mm -hmm. that I ever heard someone ever say, hey, you know, that's, it's not a loving thing or Christ-like thing to say mm -hmm. or to do. Um, so I would say, you know, much of my time in the church um, has been closeted, even when I came out to, so right after college, I came out to a bunch of friends. Um, but even then, I was still closeted mm -hmm. in the church. Uh, it wasn't until um, I started grad school at College Park, University of Maryland, uh, and I found a little church called New Leaf that was in College Park, really small, just a couple, a few dozen people. And they didn't have a, um, they didn't have like a doctrinal statement. Their doctrine was just kind of the Apostles' Creed. And, you know, it was a church that was theologically diverse. So there were people who uh, were creationists and people who believed in evolution. Mm -hmm. uh, there were people who... Well, they can't both be Christians, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, some of them were de destined for, yeah. you know, hell. Yeah. Uh, donation forever. Yeah. <laughs> but we still love them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's some people who are pro-life, some people are pro-choice. So it was really, you know, we had Calvinists and Pentecostals, sometimes in the same person. Yeah. And, you know, the the kind of the the motive or motto for the church was love and community above all of these other divides. And so it was in that space that I was like, okay, this feels like a space where maybe, you know, even though uh, it, the topic hadn't really come up, even though I had heard, you know, some of those uh, comments, those homophobic comments, mm -hmm. you know, uh, from uh, people in the congregation, I just was like, okay, this is a place where I want to uh, try it out. And so, I kind of came out twice in that church. One was we had a creative writing group um, that I was a part of, uh, and I wrote a story about prom, actually, and then kind of came out that way. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, well, I told the pastor that I was gay and that I wanted to come out, and he was like, well, no one's ever been openly gay at our church, but I think it could be okay, but I don't know. And so he and I arranged a time for me to give a sermon because lay people could give sermons at that church. And uh, I gave a sermon about um, taboos is what I did and kind of like the dangers of having these kind of untouchable topics. Mm. And I used my own experience as a gay person in the church uh, as an example. And I came out. There was actually an audible gasp oh, in wow. the congregation when, I, wow. when that happened. Wow, that takes guts. Yeah. Um, this is nothing. <laughs> doing that, that's, that takes a lot of courage to do. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. So, and the response, besides the gasp, and actually the person who gasped was, ended up being great, uh, um, was really positive. Uh, at that time, I was kind of in some leadership roles in the church, and I was really afraid uh, that I would be asked to step down, you know, mm. and I wasn't, 
and even the people I knew had more traditional views about sexuality, mm -hmm. never pushed as far as I know or asked, you know, that I leave those positions. Um, and it was okay. I started bringing my boyfriend who at the time uh, uh, was not actually a Christian uh, to church. And I think it's through that experience that he came to be a Christian. Wow. Uh, so that was, so that experience was particularly positive. Um, now, when I moved up back to Baltimore to work at Loyola, uh, I did kind of the Baltimore church tour thing. And I just, I just couldn't find a place that uh, was affirming or open, but also kind of fit, you know, some of the theological things that I really care about. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it has lots of other different things. And so right now I, I don't go to church right now, which is sad to me. Um, but I do have a Bible study, uh, that I go to regularly. In fact, we have a meeting next Tuesday and I think I asked, you know, Eric, when we were planning this, yeah, I was yeah. saying we can't have, you know, we meet <laughs> the second and fourth Tuesday. So, yeah. uh, I try to be really committed to that, but it's, uh, mostly LGBT Bible study. Uh, it's led by a gay woman who's also a pastor of a church, the church where we meet. And that experience has been incredibly healing, I think, because um, there's just, a, just kind of those that same division, right? Like there's always, even when you kind of are like, okay, I'm gay, but I still love Jesus. And that, you know, my faith hasn't decreased because, you know, I've kind of said that I'm gay it must be okay. I think you still have those lingering doubts. Like, mm -hmm. you know, can, can you really, are you, can you really follow Jesus and be gay? Uh, what does it mean to have a relationship with someone, in, you know, uh, of the same gender, you know, because a lot of what you hear in certain churches is that this just doesn't work for a lot of reasons. But my experience looking at and seeing, you know, the couple's, in our Bible study or, you know, in other places, uh, same-sex couples who are Christian, I see the love of Christ, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I see the fruits of that. And, you know, it's also a Bible study, you know, and we dig deep in the text. It's not, I think there's this stereotype that, you know, the gay churches don't care about the scriptures. Yeah. And there, you know, there are certainly some churches that are gay-affirming where, you know, the Bible perhaps is not the center of what they do, but it's like anything else, there's a counterexample to every yeah, example. Exactly. Yep. And so I think kind of being in an atmosphere where the Bible's taken seriously, studied deeply, you know, uh, and and where we can kind of uh, talk about our struggles as gay Christians. I mean, I think all of us, you know, say that, feel, you know, would express that we're orphans, mm. that, you know, we don't really fit in the LGBT world you know, which can be, you know, uh, have a kind of negative attitude to Christianity because so many of us have been hurt, mm -hmm. you know. And so uh, there's this sense that, oh, how, how can you be doing that Christian thing? Like, that just yeah. doesn't make sense. On the other hand, we can't, you know, as we've already talked about, we don't really feel at home in the church. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people in the group don't have a church. Yeah. Um, you know, we're just trying to, this is kind of our refuge, mm -hmm. I would say. It's almost kind of like bridging the gap yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, let's yeah I while we do this guys um, uh, I I think this is like fascinating yeah. this is a really yeah, great conversation um, and Martin, I agree and Martin's reminded me how smart he is um, <laughs> so oh, <okay>. I, <laughs> I feel 
feel like my high school self again. Take a geometry Securities are coming back out. <laughs> um, so why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break mm-hmm. and we'll come back uh, and do part two with Martin. Sure. Um, and and I really want to get more into like like what you're kind of even saying, like the different camps almost, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. more into that, and and more into some of the struggles and stuff. There's some things you said that that I found really interesting and stuff too. So why don't we come back um, and we'll come back next week for part two with Martin. Um, and and yeah, so so make sure you come back next week. But Check it out. Uh, yeah, so let's take a break and we'll be back. All right, so that was part one with Martin Camper. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are great interviewers. That was some good stuff. That was really interesting. That was awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward. Um, we liked it so much that we decided to make a part two. So, mm-hmm. everybody, please a lot make more sure to talk about. a lot more to talk about. Everybody, please more, make sure you tune in to next week's episode where we continue our conversation with Martin on well, Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast okay. again. Um, before Topper, you send us out, because you know you always got to send it out, um, we encourage you to check out our Patreon page, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, check out all our social medias. Give us a five-star review. Share it. Just just love us, you know. We need the love. And Jesus called you too. Okay. <laughs> Topper, <laughs> send us out, buddy. All right, everybody. Eric. What? Was two times nine plus three minus two? Forty-five. There's no way that's right. I don't have time to think about it. (laughs) But he sounds really confident, so I'm sure I'll take it. Done. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.